are absolutely in it now. Isn't this fun? This is what the hot stove is all about. And the Mariners, well, there is hot stove fuel all over the place. We are going to sort it all out over the next hour with the Talking Mariners podcast. And we are going to do it with a special guest. Yep, boy, howdy, out this week. He's irreplaceable. He really is. And I'm saying this for his benefit and and, uh, nobody else. So everybody else can take this for granted here but uh, no howdy and uh, uh, amply fill the shoes brought in a good friend of mine it's a person that I see every single day mid-February through the end of September a little bit extra in October I don't know what he does right now I know I was outside parking the car and I saw a runner go by and I thought to myself did he run to the building because this is what he would do in the off season he would just go on they call them walkabouts if you're in Australia and just take off. He would do this all the time and run to different sites and ballparks and everything else. But thankfully, no, that was not Gary Hill. Gary Hill uh, is uh, instead uh, you know, appropriately dressed, showered, and everything yeah, else in front of us. Pants, yeah. So it's always good to have pants. <laughs> Off-season Gary Hill in for the podcast today, of course, from the Mariners broadcast team. Gary, it is great to see you. It's great to see you. It's been a busy off-season. You'll appreciate this. Yesterday... Uh, I built a scarecrow at home. Out of what? So in our neighborhood in Burien, there's certain kind of grubs that the crows really go after. And so they attack and just tear up yards, right? And our yard has been left alone for the most part. And then then it got hit. So I sprang into action. We had a leftover jack-o'-lantern from Halloween. So I made a makeshift scarecrow out of it. I named him Clyde Hatter after a pitcher from the 1930s. And now Clyde patrols our backyard. So that's what my offseason, if you're wondering what my offseason looks like, because as you point out, we see each other every day for eight months. And now all of a sudden we don't. That's the kind of thing. That I'm doing, besides running. We're officially on a break right now. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And I don't know if you heard the first podcast, uh, similar issues, not the grubs, but the acorns when I was back east. They're a hazard, so I get that. Did not build a scarecrow, did not think to do that. I was going to ask where you got straw, because I need straw for some other reasons right now. So I didn't have any straw. I put together a jack. Yes, that's why I asked. I used firewood for the innards. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a highly flammable, Ooh, but, you know, there's a tie to the hot stove here, I see. Yeah. If we need a little bit more, Scarecrow is gone. <laughs> and I named it after a picture. It all connects to hot stove. It's all right there. And there are people sitting at home means thinking to themselves, that means they're getting Max Scherzer, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? that's what it means. Yes. <laughs> Read between lines, everyone. That's what this is about. <laughs> they're trading Emerson Hancock. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> grubs. There's got to be something with the grubs. I don't really, know what it is. You but. really do have to be careful what you say. Uh, it's a pretty volatile time out there right now in terms of rumors and everything else. Well, you know, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, how do I equate this? And, and you know, previous hot stove seasons, couple of recent memory, you know, they're in every catalog right now for Christmas. You know, looking for gifts, yeah. and there's that little tabletop fire that you can get, your little tabletop campfire. It's like a glorified candle in a jar with a lid, but, oh, it's a fire that's kind of what the hot stove has been of late. Mm-hmm. And now, I don't know what you compare it to. If we were barbecuing, this would be the big green egg, I think. Um, but we're not barbecuing. But this is like, you know, the old school cast iron, huge, multiple burners, big cauldrons on it. This this is what this feels like right now. Yeah, it's completely different. It's a completely different scenario. Because for the obvious reasons, the past few years, there have been positions held open for young guys to see what they can do, to see what you have. And now the stated goal is to compete, to compete with the Astros, compete in the division and for a playoff spot, which means the scenario has completely changed. And it means the goals in the offseason have changed, and it means there are holes to fill. It's a very exciting time. I mean, this is this is great. I love the baseball offseason, and there's nothing better than this. And there's a lot of great options. Question number one, and I got this on a show a week ago, and I was actually kind of surprised that there was any question, and it made me then question the question, but mm-hmm. I still feel pretty good about it. I mean, this is the off season, right? Yeah. This is, this is the, the big one. Yeah. This is, I mean, hopefully we'll have more like this. Right. As, as you continue and be competitive and be if we see this thing going where we think it's going, where the Mariners are competing for the division, where they're in a window where every offseason becomes really important. But 
I think this one is really the jumping off point, I guess. Like, it, it feels like starting with last season, they're in a completely different spot, and it starts with this offseason. This is the jumping off point because they have the resources and they have a number of holes to fill. You hope when you get to the offseason next year, the focus can be a little more narrow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because I look at it right now. I don't know how you look at it, but I, I see it as they have four spots they have to fill. Like, in my mind, they have to get an infielder. They have to get an outfielder, and they have to get two starting pitchers. And you can ask me what's more important, and I can rank them, but I feel like they have to do all of those things. And hopefully, uh, from the Mariners' perspective, as time goes forward, you don't have as many to fill in the offseason, which why this one is so important. And these players will be acquired by different means. There will be some trades. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they hope to sign free agents, and it sounds like they're diving in the deep end of the pool this year. And there are no guarantees. There, there aren't, and we'll get into that a little bit as well. Um, but it, it doesn't mean that you are going for the number one infielder, the number one outfielder, and the two top starting pitchers. Somebody along this line, uh, they're not all going to be the marquee names that we are seeing. No, because there's other teams competing for those guys too, right? When when I think about think about the shortstop class, shortstop slash second base slash third base, however you want to clarify it, and when you think about those top five names that are in the mix, I count a dozen teams going for those five. This is a competitive environment, and it's going to be competitive whether you're talking infielders, outfielders, or pitchers. And there's also – yeah, the Mariners have a lot of resources. I think we know that. We don't know exactly what the numbers are. But you can't uh, go out and get Correa, Scherzer. You know, you just, it, this is not, just not possible. So you have to be strategic with who you're going after, and which to me makes it really intriguing. And what I think is most exciting about the offseason for the Mariners this year is they can have a successful offseason in a number of different ways. I don't think they have to get a certain guy to make it a successful offseason. I think it's like a Rubik's Cube and, no, yeah, Rubik's Cube. You can twist it around to get to get where you need to go. Everybody in the infield move one spot over and yeah, the odd I mean, guy out goes to left They field. have some flexibility. <laughs> there are a lot of names we'll talk about, and I'm sure we'll talk about them here. Right. But I don't think, like, Marcus Simeon is probably my number one guy that I would love to see them get. But there are different ways to make their offseason happen without getting Marcus Simeon. There's enough targets out there to make it work and make a successful offseason. Okay, we are going to talk about targets known and not known and uh, other areas that you might look in. But I want to get some bigger picture thoughts from you. Uh, First of all, you know, the CBA is is all the talk right now. And my vision is, is this whole thing's going to come together in two weeks and the end of January. How do you see all of this playing out? Yeah, I think it's going to take a little while because they're dealing with some big issues. Uh, obviously, economics is always and, a and part by of when I say that, I'm not so sure about you know. I think the CBA will get done before then. I do think there'll yeah. be a lockout, but I think as far as the market yeah. and the free agents, it's going to be a flurry at the end. Is what yeah. I'm saying. Sorry. Uh, no, I agree with that because I think it's going to take a while for the CBA to come together. Uh, they're dealing with a lot of different issues, a lot of big issues economically and with the game. So it's going to take a while to hash it all out. There's going to be a lockout. I don't see any of the top-tier free agents signing until after the rules are clarified. And so, to your point, I don't see – we're going to see a flurry at some point, and it's probably going to be in January would be my guess, after the holidays and and maybe the end of January, maybe right before spring training. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know the exact timing, but I – I feel like we're on the same page with this. I think we see this playing out the same way. Okay, I'm somebody who's got, like, buyer's anxiety, and uh, the more that I have to spend on something, the more that I want to get it right, and the more choices they are, well, I just fall apart at that point. <laughs> so this would be an absolute <laughs> terrible position for me to be in. If you're the Mariners, uh-huh. how do you handle that? Because if they're, you know, they can obviously cast a very wide net, and is the first player going to set off the dominoes? Uh, if there's a guy that you really, really want, you have to hold out a little bit longer. I mean, there is a chance, a risk sure. that you could hold out too long. Yeah. How, how do you approach this? Yeah, and that's that is a risk because if you're holding out for a guy, and meanwhile, 
other guys are getting signed around you and you're holding out for one guy and then he signs somewhere else, you're, you're left there. You're stuck. And, you know, that's where I think a lot of the legwork comes in before the signing. It's communications with the agents. It's everything else and getting a feel for the market and what's going on around. Uh, in your scenario, things are going to happen pretty fast in, in January, but hopefully by the time you get to that point, you have a, a better idea of what's going to happen. But I, I think you have to have conviction. You don't want to sign guys that you're lukewarm on, right? You want to go after and get the guys that you are really excited about and that are fits for your club. Which makes it, I think, even that much more because I think there would be a temptation, uh, you know, initial thought, throw something out there that's above and beyond and see somebody see if somebody takes it. I don't know if that's possible if anybody would mm-hmm. at this point, but you don't want to overshoot either, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you don't want to overpay, but overpaying to some extent for a guy that I would rather overpay for a guy that you were thrilled about than get a bargain on someone that you were just lukewarm on. Does that make sense? Mm. Do you think they have a top number one? Yeah, I think they have. I think about it in tiers. I think they have a top tier. And I think they have a secondary tier that they would also be thrilled about. I think there are a number of different guys. I don't think they're just focused on one or two. I think there's, like, I I've, I look at the situation the same way. There's a lot of good players available. And I think a lot of good players will help this team. And I think they look at it the same way. I wonder if that's going to help in the negotiate, in negotiating. You know, we don't have to get this player. But then again, if you say that on every player, you might end up with nothing at the end. It's so weird how it's going to work. And, and especially when you think about the Marcus, market setters, when I think about you Seager. Said Marcus. Uh, I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> Ding, when, that's when, one. When I think about uh, – I think about Seager and Correa, I guess, being in the market setters, and I just wonder, are those guys going to go last? Is one of them going to pop first and, and set, set the whole thing? Like, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to work. One thing that I think that is worth mentioning right now, and I think is getting missed by many, and we just talked about this a few minutes ago when we were waiting to to tape this, uh, there are a lot more players in this than I think people realize. Mm -hmm. I think uh, a lot of people are kind of thinking and hoping that uh, it's now the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Dodgers, and the Mariners. And it's not. There are a lot. And and Jerry DePoto actually on the Mike Salk Show this morning acknowledged that there are more teams that are in a position – to do what they are trying to do right now. And he thinks that's yep. actually sped things up. But that list has some pro- some surprise entrants on it that actually could do a little bit of damage and certainly be competition. Yeah, when we look at all the names being thrown around, there's no guarantees with anything with the number of teams involved. I think there are a dozen teams that are competitive for the top of the market. And the Texas Rangers, a great example. We just saw the news yesterday that they – apparently are willing to throw out $100 million this offseason. So what does that look like? So this is going to be a very competitive field for the top of the market because the other thing you have to think about for the teams like the Astros, who potentially could lose Correa, well, they're going to be in the market for somebody. They're going to have to replace Correa with somebody. So who do they go after? So it's kind of a domino effect uh, depending on how things shake out. And It's interesting. I'm very curious to see what happens with Texas, for example, because I've been curious if a team would take on an experiment because Texas, a team that won 60 games last year, and they have a lot of holes to fill. And when I see a number like $100 million, this is probably not a team that's going to sign like Scherzer and Correa, right? But what if they just dipped into the secondary market and signed five or six different – I think about Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar, right? Mm-hmm. Really good player. 33, sign him for a couple of years, high dollar value, low years. But what if they did that with five or six guys? They could change their team overnight. I've been waiting for a team to try this experiment. You know, we saw the Colton Wongs, Taiwan Walkers of the world last year who signed for short years, not a lot of – they were in that just that middle tier market. What if Texas went out and spent a bunch on guys like that? I think it's pretty, it would be a very interesting experiment to watch if they did that. I don't know if there's enough pitching out there for that to work. I don't think there's no, not at all. I mean, pitching it's it's a toll. When we're talking about the free agent market, pitching and offense, 
it's a completely different conversation. Where are the Mariners going to get their pitchers? <laughs> this this is a great question. I I think they need two. I think when I look at the Mariners' rotation, I think you want to go into next year thinking about the young veterans, the Duns and the Sheffields of the world as depth, and your Kirby's, Brash, Hancock, who I think we'll see a number of those guys next year, but I think you want to go into the season as the depth. We know that you're going to need 10 different guys that are going to take starts next year. We know that there's probably going to be seven guys that will take double-digit starts next year. So going into the season with a five-man rotation, you know that's not going to be enough. They're going to need that depth at some point, but I want to go into the season with those guys of the depth. So I see finding a way to get two guys. Now this is where things get really interesting because there are not a lot of sure things when it comes to the free agent market in starting pitching. And it's not a very deep class either, and there's going to be massive amounts of competition for starting pitching. And just look at the playoffs this past season. I mean, the best teams in baseball (laughs) ran out of starting pitching. And we didn't really have an ace hardly anywhere. That's right. That's right. So – there's a couple of there's a couple of guys that I think would be great fits. Eduardo Rodriguez is one that I think would be a great fit for the Mariners, but Mariners aren't alone in that. He's he's going to be really he's going to be sought after. So what I would like to see happen is there, there's a couple ways that this can go, and I know everyone wants Scherzer. Who doesn't want Scherzer, right? I would rather split that into two different guys if you go on the free agent route. Eduardo Rodriguez and the thing that I've really liked about what the Mariners have done the past season is they've really identified guys. And we've seen, I mean, we've seen it go down the list and it's been a lot of relievers, but it's been Chris Flexen too. And some starters as well. I would like to see if there is a guy they identify kind of in the lower tiers who can be the next Robbie Ray, who's also a free agent or who can be the next Rodon, who's also a free agent. I mean, is that, is that Matt's? Is that somebody in the lower tiers that they identify that can be one of those guys that can pop next year? Mm. This is where I think trade could be a factor, too. And there are some big names that I love. Herman Marquez from the Rockies. Uh, that situation is unstable, I think, in Colorado. They'd be, they could be willing to let their ace go. Luis Castillo with the Reds is someone I – Love uh, the Reds. I think the term is uh, what term did they use? They said they're uh, aligning their resources, uh, the roster with their resources. I think so. There's going to be some move. There's already been money movement with the Reds. Maybe they would be willing to do something. The question is there: What are they going to ask for? And that's the unknown. Because I'm not giving up Julio for those two guys, and Mm-mm. either of are them. they both two years? Yes, I believe they're both two years. They're both really good, but the question is, what are they going to ask for? There's always that other side that is the unknown to us. We don't know. I'm sure the Mariners would love to have either of those guys, but what is it going to take? And that's the question. So uh, I could see this working out with a free agent and a trade, getting two guys. And, you know, I I would love for them to bring back Paxton, too, as a third. Right. Not as one of those two, but as – an addition, a depth addition. Is he expected to be ready in spring training? No, uh, I don't not think yet. so. He'd be a middle of the yeah. yeah, middle of the season. But that would make a lot of sense, right? And a why not at that point? Yeah. He would be a bonus heading into an important time of the season if if he's ready to go. We'll see from that. Because there's a lot of talk about it, bringing an ace to the staff, and I think Castillo and Marquez would be aces. But you don't. I don't think the Mariners necessarily have to get in. They need the depth. Mm-hmm. They need to have five starters going into the season. I mean, you'd love an ace, but to me, that's the last thing you can get. Are you of the impression that you can get that ace at the deadline yeah. or something better I that feel you, like can you can hold off on that? Yeah, okay. I feel like you can always get the ace at the deadline. I feel, I feel like, and we've seen it. We saw it with the Astros, which is a great example. Verlander was kind of the last piece to put them over the top, and I like that approach to it. Now, if, if one of your guys develops into an ace, great. If you have an opportunity to grab one, Castillo or Marquez, but I'm not overpaying for either of those two, and I think you can get an ace at the deadline when the time is right. I mean, it never happens that you actually have too much pitching, but it'll be interesting no. to see how they're going to handle if you all of a sudden do have three young guys 
yeah. ready at the same time. So a lot of the it's so funny how this always works out. And we can have this conversation with position players too. No team ever looks around and says, Man, we have too many good players. <laughs> that never happens. You want to accumulate as many good players as possible. And then it always ends up figuring itself out. It does. Like you you never end up saying, Yeah, we have too many starters. <laughs> it just doesn't exist in baseball. <laughs> it doesn't. What do you see at third base? So that's a great question. I see them getting an infielder, which could be third or second. Uh, Simeon would be my favorite. I I love – I think he is the perfect fit in so many different ways. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, I don't – know if he's going to repeat what he did last year as an MVP candidate, even if he comes anywhere near it. That would be amazing. That would be incredible production. Really excellent offensive player. Excellent defensive player. Uh, Combining Crawford and Simeon up the middle would be amazing. It's been fun for us, and I know if you've seen the same thing a million times, watching Simeon develop Mm -hmm. as a guy. He was not a good defender when he came into baseball. He was not a shortstop when he first came to the A's from the White Sox. He developed into that. I think development right now is the most important thing any organization can do, whether you're developing draft picks, uh, free agents, young free agents uh, from the Dominican or major league free agents or minor league free agents. Anyone in your development is critical the minor league level, and the major league level. And we watched Simeon develop into this, one of the best players in baseball. And whoever you sign is going to be a clubhouse leader. And Simeon, from all that we know and have heard about him, that is a guy that you want to be leading your clubhouse. I think it would be a perfect fit. And he fit at second. So, that leaves the question, what about third? <laughs> so I'd be comfortable with Toro starting a third as long as you take care of a Simeon at second and add an outfield bat as well because that really lengthened out the lineup. So it all, it, call, it all kind of fits together with me. What if you could – here I go. I did the what ifs a few uh-huh. weeks ago, and they were a lot of fun. What if – okay, you had to choose one that your big get is going to be Marcus Simeon. You're Uh going to take care of the pitching, and that is going to expend a decent amount of your resources. And then you are left with, you have the opportunity to trade for a third baseman, possibly from Oakland with two years (laughs) left on this contract. (laughs) I don't know who you're talking about. (laughs) Or make a substantial addition to the offense. I'm sorry, to the outfield. Okay, so this this gets to philosophy uh, because going into this offseason, I would prefer to fill as many holes as possible with money. I would like to hold on to as much prospect capital as I could. And I love Chapman. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I am such, what have I you am, got against Chapman? I am such a big Chapman fan. <laughs> so part of, this, uh, part of this answer, I guess, is who are you getting in the outfield? Uh, but that that's okay, why let's I'm, say it's Suzuki or let's say it is you want to go with my favorite just to make this are we going the rabbit stew guy no I love I love Canada too I think he'd be a great fit Michael Conforto is my okay that's very my significant favorite. at that point yeah. I don't know that that's possible if you're doing the pitching and the big get right but it, it, let's just play this out theoretically if you're giving me the theoretical option I would rather sign Conforto okay. and have Toro at third no, 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 no. Oh, you would rather – okay, if you sign Conforto, you have Toro at third. Yeah. You, you, okay. You would rather do that than trade have for Chapman, Chapman yeah. at third and yeah. then have the equivalent of a Toro as your fourth outfielder. Yeah, because because I see uh, – because, again, I would like to solve as many things with free agent money, hold on to as much capital as I can for use later on. Uh, and I see an outfield as a, a need, maybe more so than a lot of people. Mm. Uh, because I do see DH rolled into the outfield spot. So I look at it as a four-position spot, three outfielders and DH. Um, 
Well, let's get into some of yeah. DePoto's comments from yesterday, blatantly stealing from Ryan Divish's Twitter line here. Or Sounds good. He did so well, Twitter thread, on uh, the conversation that DePoto had. Uh, 70 minutes with the media down at the GM meetings yesterday. Uh, a couple of tweets here that are relevant to the outfield. DePoto said he's still uncertain about Kyle Lewis's status for spring training and that they won't be able to project his role until they see him in February. Lewis has not resumed baseball activity. That is one. Uh, another, Evan White has started baseball activity, is expected to have a normal off-season work. He is expected to be ready when spring training opens. There's another tweet somewhere else that Evan White is going to be asked to work out in the outfield a little bit. He's done that before. He played mm-hmm. that in college. And then DePoto said they don't feel that center field is Jared Kelnick's optimal position for success, but said that he will likely play at least some center field next season, and that, as of now, Acquiring a center fielder via free agency or trade isn't a priority given the number of outfielders in the organization. And uh, then there was a mention of Julio Rodriguez playing some center field. The center field thing is really interesting. Uh, can I be long-winded on this? Do you mind? I will step away. Okay. I've been uh, – no, I interject any time. I just – I have a lot of thoughts on this because, like you, I think we agreed on this watching – last year play out I'm like they they need a center fielder which is a an easy general statement to make it's like saying i think the mariners should bring in a center fielder who's a plus defender and can hit like who doesn't disagree with that i mean that's <laughs> such an easy statement Give me to make two. yeah it's like <laughs> i mean that's what i that's what i had in my mind and that's that's an easy statement to make but then the reality of okay I'm going to peel this back and who are we talking about here? And what's really surprising when I started to look at it is how few of those guys there are in the majors right now. When you think about top center fielders who are good defensively and can really hit, that list is short. In fact, I was looking at teams, uh, team-wide in center field, that WRC plus over 100, so above average, and OAA. Uh, which is StatCast defensive metric. Yeah, so just above average. So who has that? There are five teams that have in center field above average both. And individually, depending on how you slice it in terms of at-bats last year, there's less than 10. There's not a lot of those guys floating around. So Starling Marte is one of those guys who's a free agent. But I started to look at, so what are these good teams doing? And – I looked at San Francisco and I looked at L.A., the best two teams in baseball last year. Neither team had a guy play over 70 games in center field or start 70 games in center field. What both teams did do is they put together a collection of really good outfielders. And so the Dodgers, for example, Chris Taylor played some center. Mookie Betts played some center. Bellinger was in center field. And San Francisco had you know, their collection of guys play as well. So as I looked at the Mariners' situation, and I agree with that statement, we watched Kelnick play in center field last year, and he didn't rate out great in center field. But I'll say this, and this gets back to my development comment. He's really young. Mm. He's got a lot of talent and has the skills. I don't think we can watch him for half a season and say, that's it, he can't play center. I think uh, you have to leave room for a guy getting better. And I think with his skill set, he can get better in center field. And while I agree with it's probably not his optimal position, it may be optimal for the team right now. And he doesn't play, have to play every day in center. Like if you brought in a Conforto in left field, it would be optimal for him to play center field. And then you're looking at an outfield plus DH of Conforto, or Canna, or who, you know, whoever. I'm just using Conforto as the example here. Uh, Kelnick, Julio can run in some center, too. At some point, I think we'll see him during the course of the season. Hanniger and Wright. And the thing that, why I connect DH to outfield is keeping Hanniger healthy was a big key last year. And you, I, I feel like you have to do that again. You have to keep DH open for him to be in that spot again. In fact, I would like to see him DH even more next year. And if Kyle Lewis can be a factor next year, 
I think DH is going to have to be a part of that. And so you end up with a collection of really good outfielders like the Dodgers and like the Giants. Are they going to be as productive? I don't know the answer to that. But that's how I could see this situation going. Because you're talking about there's one free agent center fielder in Starling Marte who's going to be really sought after. And the trade market, you're talking about how many of those guys of that short list are going to be available? Buxton, maybe. And that doesn't come without a lot of risk, a lot of cost. So solving the center field situation, it's an easy thing to say. When you get into the weeds to it, it's really difficult to figure out. And that's kind of why I would prefer sign a corner guy because it's easy. Kelnick, Julio, Conforto has played out there as well. Canna has played out there as well. Sign a guy who's capable of playing out there and go on the Dodgers-Giants route. This is going to be a mess if Kyle Lewis comes back full tilt. This gets back to my earlier comment, though. Is it, you, you try and collect as many good players as possible, and you figure it out. If Lewis is healthy and Julio is smashing the ball, I say great. <laughs> I do. And then you, you figure it out. A lot of times, as we see, stuff figures figures it out on its own. But and I I hope Kyle Lewis comes back and be and is the player that we think he's going to be. But if you're planning for next year, competing with the Astros, competing for a playoff spot, I you can't write that in ink. 150 games or whatever. I just don't. I don't think you can plan for that. I think you have to plan for him as a bonus at this point. Well, interestingly enough, with the comments that DePoto made yesterday about that not being a priority, he did say center field. I don't think he said outfield, which are two different mm-hmm. things to what you speak. And he also was asked about Seiya Suzuki and said that there is genuine interest. Yeah. So I think the door is open for the outfield. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Right. And, you know, I just, the way, especially when you attach DH to it, I mean, that's four spots. and. And if a guy gets injured, guy goes on the IL, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you get thin pretty quick. And that's not to say that Taylor Trammell can't have a great major league career as a Mariner or that Jake Fraley can't be a factor. But they're at the point now where the young guys are going to have to play their way into that. Which is going to be refreshing to see. I get what they've been doing. It's been important. But – it's That's what you now. want to see. You yeah. want to see people push for positions. One name I haven't heard from you, I'm interested in, it's an absolute fan favorite, uh, Chris Bryant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan of Chris Bryant, too. And, in, in fact, uh, Chris Bryant would, in a lot of ways, be an excellent fit because of his versatility. Because when we talk about third base, I mean, he was played the playoffs in center field, Right. Play left, center, third base, be a productive bat. I mean, yeah, he's obviously a great fit. And that's what I say. You know, I, I can give you my favorites, but there's a lot of ways this can go and work really well for the Mariners. And Chris Bryant fits into that. He's been to the playoffs. He's been there. I mean, yeah, what's not to like about him? It's great. Give me a pick that people aren't thinking about right now. Who's your super secret surprise? We won't tell anybody else that if they landed on this – Mariners roster next year, you'd be, aha, I had this guy in mind. I'm thinking like Jerry right now. I really like this. Ah, that's a great question. Well, I got to be honest, Conforto was that for me. Uh, that one's out. I know. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I mean, he's the, partly because I have, uh, I just always really liked him as a player ever since Oregon State. So I'm a little biased on this. I got a chance to see him in college quite a bit and just, I've always liked him as a player. And when I look at – and I try and always look at this realistically. And when I look at the Mariners' history and free agency, is they have done – you know, I think about the Aaron Seelys of the world and the John Olerud's of the world, mm. you know, guys from here that have been here. Why, why do you have to go Cougs on that? Well, yeah, Conforto's not a Coug, so. <laughs> okay, okay. But he, he's from here, right? <laughs> Oregon State, he's a beef. But – Marco, kind of. Marco kind of, yeah, he's, he's here, but, uh, cause as we know, I mean, 
we love it here. We're here. But it can be, the travel can be tough. Mm-hmm. And not every guy is willing to come here. A lot of guys are. But when you have that local yeah. connection already, and it happens to be a great player at the same time, it, it really works. Got to check it out. Yeah. And I know, you know, you look at Conforto last year and the numbers don't jump off the page. I just think, I think he's a really good hitter. And I was hoping to be him to be kind of under the radar, but that's probably not going to happen. I've seen some pretty big estimates for yeah. what he could get. So yeah, yeah it's I think there's a lot of people that have a lot of faith. in Yeah, him. so I, I don't know how this. I, it's it's a really good question. I I don't know how this market is going to play out. I mean, there are some guys that I mentioned the name Escobar a while ago. If you're looking for, and I, I think. The Mariners are looking at this sort of thing. If you're looking at guys to fill kind of higher dollar but short years, maybe just a couple of years, Escobar's a guy like that. Hmm. He's, you know, just a really good hitter. He's not like he's not on anyone's top list, right? But you know, last year, twenty-eight homers. 26 doubles. He's been doing it for a while. Was an all-star last year. No qualifying offer. Yeah. And in the short term, he should just, he'll give you really good production. I think there, there are guys like that that can really help a team. That won't cost, clearly, it won't cost what some of the other names we've been talking about. Yeah, no, I like him a lot in that, you know, he's 33, so he's not going to have one of those monster right. contracts at that point. Yep. He's got a good track record uh, and a little bit under the radar, and I, I almost secretly hope that he gets something good because these are the exact guys that haven't gotten things yeah, good in it, recent years. And that gets to what I was talking about with the Texas Rangers, uh, with all the money to spend. I, I, you're right. I mean, there's there's been – I don't know what the mid-market, I don't know what to call this – this type of guy, but they haven't been, you know, the guys at the top have continued to get their money. Mm-hmm. It's this middle group that in some ways have really been shut out. And, you know, if a team sopped up four or five of those guys, it could really make a huge difference because there, there tends to be a lot of them that float around. And, and I don't know what's going to happen if this really becomes a sprint in January what the signing, what what it will look like, you know, after the top guys go off the table. I think one advantage will be a lot of them are Boris guys, and DePoto does have a good relationship. The Mariners have a good relationship in yeah. history with that group, so I think that that would help. But uh, he could have huge influence and impact, as he usually does in that situation. Yeah, I feel like at this stage you have to have a good relationship with Boris. <laughs> He's got it. <laughs> A lot of the guys we're talking about are Boris guys. Yeah. What, Bryant, Simeon, and Confort are all Boris guys, mm. right? Yeah. But it historically hasn't always been that way. But DePoto, that is somebody that he has not yeah. been shy about dealing with, which is uh, which is a plus right there. Yeah, and Simeon just signed on with right. Boris, too. So uh, that was interesting right there. It's what makes this offseason so interesting to me because there, there are so many different names we can talk about. And there are so many different guys that I think would really help the Mariners. And I just can't wait to see how it plays out. Do you consider guys like uh, John Gray, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Anthony DiScofini, are these guys attainable, do you think? Yeah. But the competition is going to be pretty fierce. Rodriguez would be great. I think there's going to be a lot of teams in on Rodriguez. And John Gray is really interesting to me because you look at, like, his breaking stuff outside of Colorado and it really plays. So what if he spent a whole season – at T-Mobile Park. Like, that's a really intriguing idea, but I don't think the Mariners aren't alone in that kind of thought. And as we talked about, man, the starting pitching market. Who Name a team that's not looking for a starting pitcher. Yeah, and, you know, that's something that uh, Jerry DePoto kind of threw in in his early comments. Well, we're going to be looking for starting pitching like everyone, and people were like, well, that's just kind of trying to – just kind of qualify it. And if you come up short, and I'm like, no, no, no everybody is looking for it's it. It's legit. Yeah. And it's why I think you have to be, if you feel like when you're talking about your prospects and they have a lot of good pitching prospects, if you feel like your guy is going to be an ace, 
That's a valuable commodity. That is really hard to let go. If you truly believe that, just let's use Brash as a name. If you feel like Brash is going to be an ace, you can't just let him go for whoever. Because getting the top-tier guys is so hard. Getting an ace right now is so hard. Not only, forget ace, getting a number one or number two is really hard right now. You're of the opinion that there are truly no untouchables. or Correct. That there is always There's a, always a deal, deal that can be made. Um, I, I find it hard to believe that the team would ever trade Julio Rodriguez. Oh, I agree with that. that. He's foundational. They built yeah. everything around him and, and it's, you know, YouTube channels and everything else. Yes. That seems untouchable to me. Yes. Uh, after that, how do you kind of rank the pitching? That they have, because mm. you have guys that are kind of grouped in when they were drafted. Uh, we hear different things kind of behind the scenes, and as far as their development goes, it appears George Kirby is the closest. Emerson Hancock is a higher pick. Mm-hmm. Brash came on out of almost nowhere, but the stuff, you know, we know that is ranked among you know, the best on paper. How do you think that they look at who would be the next untouchable or who might be somebody that they could trade for another potential finish type? It's a really good question. About. It seems like we talk about all those guys in a group all the time, right? Well, and so if there are that many, if they truly feel that way, yeah. you got to be willing to let somebody go. Who, yeah, to get something else you may need. Castillo or Marquez, just as an example, right. yeah. Uh, who would you use to, to grab those guys? It feels like Kirby's at the top of that, that list That's, to me. What I think he's the closest right now. Clo- Even though we saw Brash last year, I yeah. think Kirby is truly the closest. He's the closest, and his upside seems off the charts. I mean, a guy that can touch a hundred with great command. I mean, that seems. <laughs> Can't wait to see how this plays in the big leagues. I mean, I mean that- you know, never mind everything that we're talking about right now. Let's right. jump ahead to June next year, possibly I mean, I- sooner, and, and see what this looks like against. Big league. It seems like a good skill set to have. I mean, because I, I think we're going to see him this year in a Mariners uniform. At I would some be point. shocked if we didn't. Yeah. I don't think he'll start the year with the Mariners, no. but I think we'll see him. I think we'll see a number of the young guys at some point, young pitchers that we're talking about. Uh, and, I, and Kirby will probably be the first. But yeah, I, he feels like he feels like number one to me. And uh, Brash, as you point out, I mean, really stepped into that conversation as being kind of the next guy, I think, given the year he had. And to the point where I know we didn't see him, but he got called up at a time where they were fighting for their postseason lives. And I and I don't think they were hesitant to put him in in the right situation. I think we looked at this the same way. The right situation just didn't develop to get him into a game. No, no, we didn't see it. We no. were kind of playing along with the whole thing. Yeah. And we didn't see it. Yeah, I, I, I think they would have used him. But when you're in a one-run, it seemed like every every game they were in after he came up was a one-run, everything right. on the line. And that's that's not the time. Right. You can't throw him into that situation. So they didn't, which I think was smart. But, but when they needed a guy, they got rid of a veteran pitcher to bring him on, which I think makes a statement about where they think he is. I wonder if there's any thought, and we used to see this a lot in the past, and we don't see it as much, but I wonder if there is any thought of bringing up any of these young pitchers and starting them in the bullpen and having them work out of the bullpen. Kind of a White Sox thing. Yeah. They've done that through the years. It's a good question, especially if, let's say, they get two starters to fill out the rotation, and they've got five guys clicking along. Yeah, I could I could see something like that. I mean, why not? Get him innings at the big league level. Uh that that has becoming a really important part of a pitching staff anyways. A guy that can give you a couple innings. <laughs> part <laughs> part of, I was thinking about this offseason and thinking about the free agents. And whenever I look at Iglesias, who's probably the best closer on the market, uh, who's really good. I've always liked Iglesias. And we, I think he had the best outing from a bullpen pitcher against the Mariners last season. I don't know if you remember this, but he came in with, like, the bases loaded yeah. and just was on fire. <laughs> but I, I just 
Hey, go sign him and add Iglesias to the to the Giles Castillo, Seawald, Sadler, and just just make every game a five inning game, uh, which is kind of a funny thought. But yeah, I could see that. Be interesting. I, I could see, back to there. your point. The young guys, I could see, I could see that happening. If they are all kind of popping yeah, at you, the same time, if, and maybe one guy is more, I, I don't think I'd do that with a Kirby, but maybe somebody is more suited to that. Brash, yeah. We nominate Brash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to be interesting. Especially, I mean, in as as we know, as the season gets going and things happen, and you're competing for the spot, it's like, yeah, you're in this thing. You want your best arm. Someone's cooking in AAA. Your your rotation is going. It's like, yeah, if it makes sense, I think they would do it. Well, look what happened with Edwin Diaz when he was coming up too. Right. You know, they they saw ahead that they are going to need this yeah. guy. And we have we've seen that. Yeah, they will not hesitate to. I mean, they didn't hesitate with that. And no. it almost worked. Yeah. 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 It'll be interesting to see when we get into season. Uh, before I get to a couple of uh, last things, just uh, a prediction. When are we going to see something, and what will it be? Not who. Will it be a trade? Will it be a minor free agent signing? Mm. What are we going to see? That's they can't claim Wade Miley. Oh, kidding me? No, they can't. Uh, back to the Reds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even – I do not have a great the, – the only thing I think – I don't think the top guys are going to sign until after the CBA is figured out. Until then, I don't have a great feel for anything. Like, if nothing happened until then, I'd be like, yeah, not a big surprise. I, th- I guess the most likely thing is a trade. Because you can. And the rules of the game uh, it doesn't affect the rules. Teams will have needs. Teams want to be active. I think the Mariners love to be active. But it feels like the trade might be most likely. And if they're trading, it's likely pitching or outfield help. We don't see them trading for an infield. I don't think so. Make much sense. That's where the most feels like is. pitching. Because I think the tough thing about a, a smaller free agent signing is, I think they'd like to do that after mm. seeing what they got done on the big side of things. You know what I mean? Right. Like it would be hard to. Unless they have a specific, hey, we love this guy as a Guillermo Heredia center fielder. And congratulations, Guillermo Heredia. You have a ring. Hey, you have a ring, right? <laughs> you know, that, that type of player who, who's not going to be your starter but can be on a bench and play center field, that sort of sign. Yeah, no, it doesn't seem like you, It'd be you don't hard. know what you need at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So I think a signing like that is tricky. It's, it could be a while. I think so. Do you think we see the big blockbuster this year, the Jerry blockbuster? He seems, I'll go ahead and answer that myself, he seems to be more focused on in, in the priority of the free agent. Yeah. It seems like for the first time his preference mm-hmm. is to buy a player, and it's always been to trade before. And I think that speaks more to what's available right now yeah. than anything else. Yeah, it's what's available. And, and what's available fits their needs. Right. And there's a number of fits. As we talked about before, it's funny if you're a team that needs desperately needs a center fielder. Free agent market's not going to do it. If you're a team that desperately needs an ace, free agent market's not going to do it. If you desperately need catching, yeah, sorry, free agent market's not going to do it. But the Mariners' needs, there's a number of guys in the free agent market that can fit. That's good planning, I say. (laughs) (laughs) Really, no. There's no guarantees, as we talked about. It's a competitive field. There's a lot of teams right. that are in the mix. Right. So, they're, you know, they'll have to be aggressive. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't wait. I love this. We'll see how it plays out. But And one of the things I love is two of the names that you've spoke about and that were very high on our West Coast guys. One, you know, absolutely the mm-hmm. area. The other, which is uh, mm-hmm. Conforto. The other, Marcus Simeon, definitely a West Coast guy. Although the Giants scare me on that one. Um, yeah, they're on the West Coast. They are definitely on the West Coast and very close to home for him. We can and verify that. they could – that's an area they could go. Absolutely. I, I mean, he's a Cal guy. <laughs> you know, there's – there's. Uh, we can 
we can talk about how much we love Marcus Simeon. He'd be a great fit, which is true. Hopefully he's into the fine dining and rabbit stews, too. But I Marcus, mean, sell him on that. Marcus Simeon would be a great fit everywhere. This is true. <laughs> I mean, if you hadn't noticed that he's yeah. like top three in the MVP yeah, voting I mean, Toronto right now. Would, Toronto would love him back, too. Is I mean, it ridiculous to be talking about a MVP, a legitimate a finalist? He's not a candidate anymore, a finalist. Finalist. It, I guess it's not ridiculous to be talking no. about it, but it's... And in a different year, would actually have a shot at it, too. Well, I'm hoping they have a shot at it right now. No, no, I'm talking about Simeon winning the MVP. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he would, yeah. No. He would actually have a shot at winning the MVP in a different year. Yes. Uh, just <laughs> <laughs> That is taken, thank you. We're going to work on getting him two years from now. In fact, as the season kept going, I was like, just can you slow down a little? Like, do you have to hit the most home runs by a second baseman ever? Can you? <laughs> Like thirty would have been fine. I mean, now you're getting now obnoxious. You're in the 40s. Let's just settle I mean, this down. Is, come on, let's just settle down. It's absurd. It's interesting. It doesn't seem like uh, he's the East Coast teams are focusing on him, and I'm sure Toronto want him back. But right. we're not hearing him with the Yankees as much, which is probably pretty good right there. Yeah, it might be. Maybe it's been put out there that. I mean, which it, is not to his advantage to put that out there, right. of course. But things but, get. Things get set. And yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are going to need a shortstop, and yeah. I mean, everybody out here. Oh, well, they have Turner, but they'll need a second. Oh, baseman. that's true. Yes. Uh, but again, planning. <laughs> but as 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 we know, uh, these guys are people, and so as much as the money is a big driving factor, which it is, but there are also other likes and wants and needs for players, and sometimes it's, hey, I want to train in Arizona. Right. Sometimes it's, I want to be on the West Coast. Right. Because I have. Family, there are so many factors that generally we don't know about that goes into decision-making. This that, is true. And everybody kind of poo-poos that, but you've earned that right. That's one yeah. of the things you work toward is the right to be able to pick. Yeah, and, and when you get deals that generally are around the same, right? If, if right. no deal blows away any of the others, and it be, those become the factors that you think about when where you're going to live next. And as cold as Seattle is in April at night down by the waterfront, it's still a lot warmer than San Francisco. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we can revisit some of these things. I, I think it's going to be a while before we have actual people that are Mariners in Mariners uniforms to talk about, which isn't as fun. But, uh, you know, the hot stove, so much going on, so much to read into. And, and you're doing your homework. I'm doing our homework. The readers, the listeners, everybody. It's good to see everybody enjoying it. Yeah. One last thing, too, that I'm really excited about after the the shuffle of all of this. I'm I'm anxious to see who they bring in as minor league free agents. Who are the next Seawalds of the world? I mean, we have seen them knock it out of the park the last two years with devel- on the development side. Back to an earlier conversation. And it, it really piques my interest now when we see so and so signed as a minor league free agent. Maybe in years past wasn't much of a just a blip on the radar. But now I'm I'm gonna be really intrigued by when that news starts to roll in as well. I would imagine it's a top destination for that type of player, Absolutely. but there's only so much room. Right. So we'll see. And, you know, if you have an excess, great. You can do some trade. There are, you know, some thought mm-hmm. that you could see a reliever traded because exactly of this. We, we'll see as it moves forward. But, yeah, no, it was. Uh, and is there another Chris Flexen out there? Doesn't yeah. sound like it. I don't know that, you know, maybe there is. Maybe Jerry's holding his cards tight on that one. But, uh, again, what they've been able to do with pitching, that is an absolute plus for them. So what does a Gary Hill winter look like? Uh, growing a beard usually happens in the winter. A lot of basketball. Hoops, Washington hoops, do some of that. Uh, I enjoy the hot stove. Do we have word on when that's starting? Oh, the show? Yeah. I like the I like the hot stove. We just do them whenever we want, the actually. Show. We just yeah. stop and have one in the middle of the street and yeah, stuff the, like that. The actual radio show starts in, in January. <laughs> But I like the actual like baseball talk, yeah. hot stove, Twitterverse. Ah, Twitterverse sometimes it isn't fun, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it, is. <laughs> it is. It is what it is. No, really. I mean, you know what it's like once the season starts in February. It is every day. We're in it every day from the the time we hit spring training until October. So I, I try and spend as much time with the family as possible. It, it's funny how I just enjoy, like, dropping off the kids at school, picking them up, 
going to the grocery store, <laughs> just like the everyday <laughs> stupid stuff that we all do that in the baseball season is really difficult to do. That's the, that's the stuff that I enjoy the most. Grocery store is my favorite thing in the off season yeah. because the last two months of the season, I don't see the grocery store. I know. It, gets, it, just, it just gets crazy. Yeah. And it, this year, I, it, this year, you know, we have to prepare a little bit better for next year. I was not ready. And I had thought about this in the past, but mm-hmm. physically that takes a toll yeah. when you are in it at the end. When every game. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, it's funny, too, because I don't know about you, but, man, it got to the last day. I'm thinking, like, this is this could happen. You know, we brought our bags, and I'm thinking – I'm saying goodbye to the family, and I'm going to see them. In two days? In yeah. six we, days? But, and, but yeah. I, I've thought, like, I'm going to be on a plane after this game. And so the suddenness after the game was over, and it's like, it's, it's over. It's done. But, yeah, and, and then, it, then it hits you like, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of, you know, going on adrenaline the last few weeks of the whole thing and just not realizing it until after it's all over. It's like, yeah, you're right. The possibility that you could have had three days in three in two different countries in less yeah. than like 36 hours. It wasn't even three full days, three games. I just, there was no way. And the way the Mariner season had gone up to that point, I was like, well, yeah, this is obviously what's going to happen. It's going to be total chaos. We're going to play everywhere in the next three days. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be madness, and it's going to be great. It's going to be the best ever. You should. I had, because I was not going to fly with you, four different plans just for the first day. <laughs> I know. Some, we need to pull, uh, when we get to Hot Stove, I think we should have a debrief with Jack Mosselman and just go over what oh, his final, yes. what that final couple weeks was like. Yes. Because he must have had... A thousand rooms booked in four different cities, flights. Just, I mean, I I don't know how he does it. It was hard enough just to read the email and and go where I was told. Right. Let alone if you had to set that up. Plan for the whole thing. I do not know, but uh, yeah, that that's part of my off season. Is there will be uh, definitely more green juices drank and more steps and, and miles logged and uh, just being ready for a longer stretch. It's totally different. Longer stretch, and as, as I was, I was talking about this with my wife during a World Series game at the end of October, going into November. Just thinking about, man, I, I hope this is all of us, you know, next year. I hope we're in this spot where baseball doesn't end in October; it just keeps on chugging along through the entire month. Uh, that's where we all want to be. Hopefully, uh, this off season will help us get there. Well, we've had plenty of years to get ready for it, so we better not blow it when it happens. <laughs> Don't blow it. That's good advice. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to say that to you all before the first broadcast of a postseason game. I'll be like, I'm just going to throw the pregame show over to you. Don't blow it. Don't blow this. <laughs> well, Gary, it was great to have you in, and uh, we will definitely do this again and just you know continue, continue enjoying following I kind of envision that you've got, like, the whiteboard up at home like you did with the playoff scenarios and the 12 different TVs, and now it's just kind of, I don't know if you watched Homeland years ago, but Carrie, the CIA agent, had up in her, her, I think it was her living room, just cutouts of all of the key players, and some of them had X's through them, and then there were uh, just strings that would attach others to others and trying to figure out the whole puzzle. I currently have, uh, as a permanent page open on my computer, the free agent class organized by position and war just up all the time <laughs> just <laughs> as i peruse just randomly <laughs> so, so yeah. you could probably recite the top 10 right I know, now I know. It's, <laughs> such <that's> a, like... <laughs> it's such a problem it's such a problem okay well i hope you get a day away from that every now and then too that's good as well <laughs> yeah get a breather <laughs> that'll be the day something happens I know. I mean, while we had this conversation, who knows what happened? I don't know. Mm. I didn't check. (laughs) Wait, who's that? No, that would never happen. (laughs) This will be, I will say this. I mean, in past off seasons, I've said it's not even worth investing in the possible trades because he 
goes in different directions, looks yeah. for different things. And, and even though we've kind of learned how he does that, the possibilities are still just far too many. You mm-hmm. are going to be surprised, mm-hmm. probably, if he pulls off a trade. This year, I think it's a little bit more clear-cut. I think the candidates, particularly on the free agent side, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there are surprises. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think there are, uh, as I've said a few times, there's a different different ways to put it together and make it happen. But, yeah, I don't think the names will be unfamiliar to us, especially on the free agent side. Trades are always, I mean, who knows? There could be a, a surprise there. There always is. I don't think anyone's ever predicted a Jerry trade correctly ahead of time. I'm sure Howdy would say he has, oh, but we'll, yeah. we'll debrief him on that next week. Gary, thank you. Anytime. <laughs> it's great to be here.